Welcome back, everyone, to the ROSC podcast, episode 20. I'm going to do my best to give you my best voice possible because I skipped last week again, I think. Ended up getting COVID, fortunately getting over it, but I'm left with this really nagging cough. So my voice might sound a little bit weird, but we're going to push through to the best of our abilities. Speaking of going missing, I did skip the last couple of weeks in terms of uploading podcasts because I was dealing with my oral board exams and fortunately that has been dealt with so I have come back and I have to say that the best compliment I've gotten actually came from a colleague who mentioned to me that she had been listening to the older podcasts again because there weren't any new ones out and that's very much along the lines of what many out there say where a really good sign of you delivering values when people miss you when you're gone. So I would say that that's pretty close to that feeling. So if I had to say that's probably the best compliment, well, uh, well, no, the best compliment would be, we love your podcast and we'd like to sponsor you and give you our money. That's probably the best compliment. So the second best compliment that I could probably ever receive is when someone misses me when I'm gone. But here I am back again. So let's get into this week's podcast. Now, before we get into the podcast, I do have to mention, if you haven't already, to please check out the website, www.rosk.life, R-O-S-C.life, not .com. Over there, you'll find all of the blog posts that complement the podcasts. You'll be able to sign up for the newsletter, which keeps you up to date on the weekly blog post, the insights of that blog post, and the link to the latest podcasts as well. But the other thing you'll get part of is if you sign up, you will be up to date on whatever we release, any projects that we're endeavoring into, and you will be the first to know about it and the first to be involved with it and even be potentially, if you'd like to be, part of the people who actually give feedback and help develop whatever projects are coming forward. More on that as the projects get closer to being released to you all first and then the rest of the world. But let's get to the podcast. So I want to talk about the topic of tribalism, tribes that exist in medicine. Now, tribalism isn't always a bad thing, and we'll go into what it is that makes tribalism tribalism, but I want to talk about it from the perspective of how we deal with it in the healthcare field and also how we are responsible for the existence of such behaviors. This might sound like me commiserating and complaining about the way things are, but that's something that I try never to do, especially not on a podcast that you all are listening to, because that's just not the goal. There's more than enough people complaining about things, and we all know misery loves company. I would much rather be about talking about a problem with the intent of finding a solution, as I've said ad nauseum in this podcast. Anyway, tribalism. Medicine is suffering greatly from the idea of tribalism. We see it when people are part of certain departments, certain specialties, certain units, certain groups, whether it's administrative or clinical or what have you. And with that tribalistic mentality, I mean, at the core of that tribalistic mentality is a set of behaviors and a set of unspoken beliefs. Beliefs on what they think of themselves and how they treat others, whether those others are traditionally considered to be equals or superiors or below. And I said traditionally considered because 
a lot of these thoughts of who's better and who's worse are complete BS. Not the point. The point is we've all experienced this sort of tribalism and perhaps we never really realized it until speaking about it in such a concrete way like we are now. But the bigger thing to focus on is how you and I have absolutely fallen into this as well. And one of the most difficult things about it is the sort of peer pressure, right? The the sort of the pressure for you to speak and act in that way within your tribe and also in the way you speak about and look at other tribes because at the end of the day you kind of just want to fit in. I mean, I as as simplified and as high school as that sounds, that's really what it is. And that leads me to the definition of tribalism. Loosely defined, tribalism is this the idea of a group of people who form a group based on a shared interest. But not only that, they end up being beneficiaries. They, they benefit from psychological and physical incentives for being associated with that group in thought and in action. When you put it that way, it really starts to make sense how we view behaviors within healthcare, within medicine, in residency, in fellowship, within certain units when nurses are part of this unit versus that unit and how they speak about each other, let alone to each other. And there's a lot to be said about how people speak about other people, other units, other groups, other specialties, because what that does is it starts to lay down a wiring in your brain about how you are associating those people. And your brain is just waiting for folders to put emotions in, folders to put experiences in. And once it does that, the last thing it wants to do is have to do that again. So it just makes that very efficient. And this leads me to the first of two points about tribalism that need to be recognized so that they can be fixed. The ultimate thing is that the tribalism itself isn't actually the problem. But going back to the efficiency part, that your brain wants to just find the easiest way to execute on how it feels and how it reacts to things around us. In addition to the unspoken tribalism that just exists out of culture, when people, when we're put in this stressful environment and our cognitive load is just overburdened, the last thing anybody's going to want to do is add more cognitive load. And so if we spend a majority of our waking lives at work, as healthcare workers, that amplifies how much of that time we spend with a specific group of people. And when that specific group of people is also burdening our mind next to the stressors that also already exist of the job, of the training, of the expectations that are coming from us from higher up and from society and from politics and all of this, the last thing that you would want to do is add more burden to that. And so what you're going to do is not only try to figure out which things you don't have to cognitively unpack, but you're also going to find the fastest way to package those things and just make it reflex. If this, then that. Done. When you combine that with the fact that you spend the most time of your working life with your tribe, whether that's the unit, the specialty, the subspecialty, the department, whatever, if you spend a majority of your working hours, which are already a majority of your waking life, with that tribe, the last thing you're going to want to do is earn the disapproval of that tribe. Because the disapproval of that tribe is going to add to your burden. It's going to add to your cognitive load. It's going to have to put you at the very least, the most benign it'll do is put you in a position where you have to apologize and work your way back up the approval ladder. And that 
is not even taught. That's known going in. Like that's one of the first things anybody who's going into medical school or any type of healthcare schooling, that's like the first thing you learn. When I was coming up and going into medical school, even TV shows that you would watch would show certain people you treat this way. You cannot function without this group of people. And the culture is just laid out. Sometimes it's parodied. Sometimes it's reinforced. But the bottom line is we're just, we've shot ourselves in the foot from the beginning with the whole tribalism thing because it's the first thing you know about medicine. And I will even dare say that some areas of healthcare are picked based on their perception, their tribe's perception in the whole quote unquote hierarchy. And so how does this end up manifesting into what is actually the problem? Going back to the fact that a majority of your waking life is spent at work, and then a majority of that working time is spent around your tribe, if you had to pick between doing the things that earn the approval and the satisfaction and the laughter and the pat on the back from someone you spend most of your hours with versus someone from a department that you probably see once a month, what are you going to do? Of course, you're going to lean towards whatever earns the approval of your tribe leader, so to speak. That isn't always necessarily necessarily what's right or even what's rational. It might even be things that go against your actual code of ethics, but you find ways to justify, well, it's not really like a big deal. It's not like I'm committing a crime. And so you start to lean and you start to bend and then you start to break just to earn the approval of that tribe leader or of that person of influence in that tribe. What's worse is that you sort of it sort of applies that you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And because you're not necessarily processing every single time this pathway that you're thinking about preservation of self within the tribe, because you don't think that out and because you don't rationalize it, what ends up happening is you start to actually live by the code of ethics that's established by the approval of the tribe. You start to actually think these things about this colleague or this consultant or this service without even thinking about it, without even processing it, without even second guessing. And that's where presence of mind comes in. That's where mindfulness comes in. But again, something like being mindful or being present is a cognitive load. It requires an uphill, an expenditure of energy. And that's energy you don't have. That's why we're in this mess in the first place of just doing what the tribe says, because it's going to earn you the easiest path forward. It's the path of least resistance. It's the resistance that's the problem. And that's where sort of the solution comes in. Empathy, mindfulness, presence of mind, all of that stuff is what's the potential to break these things. It's also the disruptor that allows you in a moment when you're in that tribe to say, hey, wait a minute. That's not necessarily cool. Hey, wait a minute. There's probably a better way to deal with that. And sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're at the lower end of the totem pole, you don't have the ability to do that, but no one's controlling how you act when you're not in the spotlight. And this is where the good side of tribalism comes in. So tribalism isn't always a bad thing. If you look at the world, how boring would the world be if we didn't have different races, different cultures, different beliefs, different lands that people are from? Like the perfect example is the thing that probably brings most people together most often, and that's food. Think about all the different foods we have in the world and 
you know, if you're if you're anything like me with my belief system, you would consider it to be sort of a blessing that we have all these different walks of life in the world. And it's an opportunity for us to learn from each other and benefit from each other and blend cultures to have new cultures, subcultures. We all know about the negative side of compartmentalizing people, but that doesn't make the compartmentalization the bad thing. And it's the same thing with medicine, right? The tribalism is actually a good thing in that it does decrease the cognitive load, but what your basically like if you think about it like your brain is pre-packaging certain ways of thinking certain beliefs certain actions certain if-then statements it's what's packaged that's the problem and so we don't necessarily need to break away the existence of tribes in medicine because a lot of times it helps to create identity if you're a surgeon or if you're an er doctor or if you're an icu nurse or if you're any of these different things, there are certain things that you live that your colleagues or people within your department or unit might also live and relate to that other specialties, other fields, other areas in the hospital can't relate to, and nor should they be expected to have related to that. That's sympathy, right? People who can relate to each other because they both experience the same thing, that's sympathy. And that can go a long way. You're going to want to turn to the person who's in that front line with you in that specific front line. But where empathy comes in, empathy is stepping outside of what you've experienced to try and process what the other person's experienced. And that's where tribes can cross. That's where bridges can be built. And I think personally, this is getting a little bit like sappy and philosophical more than it needs to be, but I'm just kind of riffing on the idea that if there are these tribes in medicine, right? And there are these almost, if you wanted to call them cultures, you don't have to break those walls to necessarily have everybody be one shade of gray. But having that compartment that you function in doesn't prevent you from opening up to understanding the functionality of that tribe. If anything, it makes it easier to empathize because you don't have to put so much effort into understanding the other side. There are, there are packets, they're prepackaged, they function a certain way. You understand how they function, and so you try to work with them in a way that satisfies the way their subsystem works, so to speak. And I've seen that happen in our, in our ER. And there's one example that really stands out to me. There was one surgery resident who had come down with her attending because there was a patient who was 24 hours post-op, came in with pain. They came down, saw the patient, and... Typically, the answer from most people upstairs is, oh, just put them in OBS, put them in OBS, put them in OBS. Observation, that is the observation unit. And it's always said in a, well, can't this person just go to observation? As if we didn't think about that the first time we called. Like, of course, we always think about that, right? Like, it almost feels a bit, like, reductive for us to just be told that, not to mention the fact that they all have access to the OBS protocol and can see that this person does not fit the... You get it. The point is, this time, this resident came to us and said, hey, my attending and I saw the patient. I know it's difficult, but is it possible that the patient can go to observation and we'll follow? And if they can't, just give us a call back and then we'll take the patient. But we're just wondering if, if that's possible. And if it's not, then we'll figure it out. The same suggestion that's been given so many times, but in a completely different way. And I know that you can feel the difference. This didn't require much 
other than one tribe understanding that there is certain nuances to how this tribe functions, this subsystem functions. I don't know how it functions. I don't know all the rules, even though that person technically should know because it's open access, it's known. But in this situation, you don't mind that person not knowing the obvious because they've expressed that, hey, I get that it's not always the simplest thing in the world and this might not work. But is it possible to try? And if it doesn't work, then we'll take the patient. I took that resident aside and said, I just want you to know that that is the definition of empathy. You the way you did that is the same and different from what your colleagues have done in the past. And this resident had a very difficult time accepting that uh, commendation uh, without feeling awkward. And that just goes to show how much we lean towards pointing out what you did wrong rather than what you're doing right. But I wanted to bring up that example because it's never left my mind. And that was like over a year ago that that happened. But because that's a perfect example of how tribes can exist without it being a big, uh, a butting of heads all the time. And to close out, I actually want to mention where this idea came from. And it was actually, I was driving behind a motorcycle and another motorcycle was coming in the other direction and they gave each other the little peace sign to like, and I noticed that more after that, that, you know, bikers do that to recognize each other's presence, each other's existence. And it changes the way you feel, right? You automatically feel seen and heard or like, an example is when you go on a trip to a foreign country and you're the only one who speaks English and you hear someone else speaking English, you automatically feel more comfortable. There's just the ability to relate. Like one of the things that we've talked about with Rosk is, um, I guess I'm letting you in on a little secret, but one of the ideas that we had with Rosk is creating little lapel pins for people to wear at work. Um, one, to raise awareness and for more people to benefit from whatever is being put out here, but also because imagine how it would feel when you come across somebody who also has that same pin. And it's not a, a huge community that we're in right now, but it could change the way you interact with that person. It could diffuse something that might've otherwise occurred. Anyway, the point is that what's important about talking about this stuff is not to eradicate the idea of tribalism, but to understand that it exists. And once you understand it exists, you can start to understand why certain behaviors happen and what's good about it and what's bad about it. I feel like I rambled a lot more on this one and I'm hoping that it all came together, but if it didn't, I'll do better next time. But you're welcome to share your experiences, what you think about it, how you've experienced this, and maybe you've experienced it in a good way. Maybe you've experienced it in a bad way. Share your thoughts. Email at podcast at rosk.life. And I will see you next time.